Amen, I say to you, all things whatsoever you ask for in prayer, believe that you shall receive, and it shall be done to you. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Amen. Your faithful, these words taken from St. Mark's Gospel make up the communion antiphon of today's Mass. All things whatsoever you ask for in prayer, believe that you shall receive, and it shall be done to you. The Gospel of today's Mass, taken from the ninth chapter of St. Matthew, shows us two instances in which the prayers of the faithful were granted, the healing of the hemorrhaging woman and the raising of Jairus' daughter. Both individuals have much to teach us about the virtue of faith as well as the quality of our prayer. Prayer, first of all, is traditionally defined as the lifting of the heart and mind to God. It is not simply the mindless repetition of vocal prayers from memory, though that's a good place to start. Nor is it the presentation of a wish list of expectations to the king of the universe as if he were Santa Claus. God is omnipresent. He is always near to us. And we should think of him often, lifting up our poor and sinful hearts to him, and adoring him in humility. This is perfectly illustrated in today's gospel, as a certain ruler came up and adored him before asking for anything. We must remember that we are the creatures of God. Strictly speaking, he owes us absolutely nothing. Yet, in his goodness and omnipotence, in his infinite love, he desires that we approach him in prayer. Prayer is an absolute necessity, for we are incapable of anything on our own. Without me, you can do nothing, our Savior says. And in his providence, God has ordained that prayer be the ordinary means of obtaining the graces he dispenses. Ask, and it shall be given to you. Seek, and you shall find. Knock, and the door shall be opened unto you. Christ, our divine master and model in all things, shows us the example of the necessity of prayer by practicing it himself. He spends the nights in vigils, often alone and in desolate places. He unites himself to the Eternal Father in prayer before working great miracles, like when he rose Lazarus from the dead. He teaches his apostles to pray. After the ascension, the scripture tells us that they all persevered in prayer. And we, if we are to be saved and remain in union with our Lord, must pray always. Even if we don't know how to pray, that is fine. Prayer does not have to be a lengthy colloquy, but more of a matter of keeping our hearts united to his. St. Francis de Sales teaches us, when you come before the Lord, talk to him if you can. If you can't, just stay there. Let yourself be seen by him, and don't try to be too eager to do anything else. Whether we are far advanced in the spiritual life, or only beginners, or perhaps great sinners, we must all pray. The prayer of the just has great power before God. Their prayers will help them to persevere in grace, but also are of great profit for others and the whole church. This is why the contemplative vocation is so important and perhaps why it is so attacked today. 
A sinner who is touched by the grace of conversion, desiring to sincerely amend his life, is certainly heard by God when he prays. Look to the example of the Magdalene, the publican praying in the temple, and the good thief on the cross next to our Savior. Their examples should fill all of our hearts with great confidence in the goodness of God. Yet the pre-existing condition for our prayer to be of any good is that we have faith. We see this in the Gospel today, in the confidence of the ruler who approaches Jesus, and in Christ's statement to the woman, your faith has made you whole. We see throughout the Gospels that our divine Savior makes faith the indispensable condition of his miracles. He requires this faith even from those whom he loves the most. Where he does not meet with faith, he deliberately limits the effects of his power. The Gospel expressly tells us that at Nazareth, he did not work very many miracles because of their unbelief. Christ's action is paralyzed by a lack of faith. St. John Chrysostom, in commenting today's Gospel, points out the confidence, the faith of the woman, how her faith is fostered by others and how it, in turn, nourishes that of Jairus. Secretly, with faith, she touched his garments, for she did not doubt nor say in herself, Shall I indeed be delivered from this disease? Will I indeed fail of deliverance? But confident for her health, she approached him, for she said, as we read in herself, If I but only touch the fringe of his garment, I shall be made whole. Yea, for she saw out of what manner of house he had come, that of the publicans and those who were with him were sinners, and all these things made her to be of good hope. What then does Christ? He suffers her not to be hidden, but brings her out into the midst and exhibits her faith to all, so as to provoke the rest also to emulation of it. Moreover, the ruler of the synagogue, who was on the point of thorough unbelief and so of utter ruin, Christ corrects by the example of the woman. Since both they that came said, Trouble not the master, for the damsel is dead. And those in the house laughed him to scorn when he says, She sleeps. And it was likely that the father too should have experienced some such feelings. Therefore, to correct this weakness beforehand, he brings forward the simple woman, for as to that ruler being quite of the grosser sort, hear what he says unto him, Fear not, do thou only believe, and she shall be made whole. Let us then emulate the prayer and faith of both the ruler of the synagogue and the woman in today's gospel. Let us not be put off when our prayers go seemingly unheard. Often prayer is not about getting what we want, but instead prayer prepares us in faith to receive whatever it is that God has planned for us. Above all, let us have faith. God wills that during this stage of our mortal life we should serve him in faith. His glory requires it to be so. It is the homage he expects from us and the probation we have to pass through before arriving at the eternal goal. One day we shall see him unveiled.
His glory will then consist in communicating himself fully in all the splendor and brightness of his eternal beatitude. But as long as we are upon this earth, it enters into the economy of the divine plan that God should be for us a hidden God. Here below, God wills to be known, adored, and served by faith. And the greater, the more ardent, the more practical this faith is, the more we are pleasing to him. May Mary Immaculate Virgo Fidelis and the model of prayer for us obtain for each one of us the grace of such lively faith. Amen. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Amen.